We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Real Life Radio is brought to you by Cloud Roofing and River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. This is a church that exists to help people find the real life they were created for. We are studying the book of Philippians in the series called Under Construction. Today it's a practical lesson in the gift of giving. The notes and the complete podcast to this message are free for the taking at reallife.org when you click on the sermon's archive link. If you have a Bible nearby, well, it's time for Real Life Radio. A lady named Ellen Vaughn wrote a book, and I really like the title of the book. It's called Radical Gratitude. It's a great title, Radical Gratitude. And in the book, she tells about a friend of hers named Jerry. Jerry went on a short-term mission trip. Any of you guys ever gone on a short-term missions trip? Just a week, couple weeks, something like that? Yeah, hands kind of going all over the place. If you've never gone on one, you should. Okay, We have them. Here and we, I encourage you to check and find out. And if we don't have enough, we can set some others up. I have watched people's lives be absolutely transformed. Stuff that they've been kind of throwing around and wrestling with for years, all of a sudden be dealt with in one week when you get them outside of their comfort zone and they see God do miraculous things in a place where they're a little bit uncomfortable. And so this guy, Jerry's on a short term mission trip. He's actually in Russia. And he went with Prison Fellowship International. And they're working with some prisons in Moscow. Well, at the end of their trip, they had a few days free. They asked if they could visit this children's hospital they had passed and they'd seen. And so they go to the hospital. It's a 750-bed hospital in Moscow. But there's just this small number of kids who are there. There's, like, no trained staff. There's some people who take care of things. There's a kitchen with no food, no meal preparation. This is a hospital for kids who are, are dying of cancer and blood diseases. And it's like it's a shell. There's people there. There's kids who are there. But basically, their families are coming in. They're cooking meals in the kitchen for them. And they're just a bunch of people waiting to die because there's not adequate medicines. It's just a mess. And this guy, Jerry, and their group are walking around. And they bring a young girl in an old rickety wheelchair up to her. She's about 14 years old, brown hair, sunken eyes with dark circles. And they tell her she's got about four months to live. And we have no medications to help her. And so Jerry kind of gets down and asks, what's her name? And they tell her her name is Eugenia. And he acts like he got hit with a bat because that's his daughter's name. And all of a sudden, Eugenia moved from that place of, wow, how sad. And man, poor thing, to he's identifying with her because his daughter's name is Eugenia. And it's like she's a person now. She's a person right in front of him who he's relating to is dying and she lacks any resources and he finds out her medication is about eighteen thousand dollars well he's got some other folks there and there's a friend of his ed who's there and jerry says i don't have eighteen thousand dollars he says but but ed i'll sell my car would you sell your truck to help get this girl medicine and this guy ed you know he kind of put on the spot but he's friends with jerry and he's used to this kind of thing he says well you're doing it to me again but yes jerry yes I'll, i'll i'm in with you 
They end up going back and they start making phone calls. They get a children's hospital in their community to donate hundreds of thousands of dollars of medicine and supplies and things. Overall, they raised a million dollars for this hospital because these guys were just so moved with compassion. Jerry goes back and what's interesting is by the time he goes back, there's stuff that has been said. This girl, Eugene, is on medication and her cancer goes into remission. Her mother comes up to Jerry while he's in this hospital, just checking on the supplies, checking on things. Mother comes up, grabs his hand. She's sobbing, tears in her eyes, and she she doesn't speak real real good English. And so she's just looking at him, and she just says, are you not Jesus? And as if Jerry wasn't already wrecked, it was game over now. Are you not Jesus? Can you imagine? When I read that story, it just kind of blew me away because I don't think we are ever more like Jesus than when we're giving. I think I think when we are stepping outside of our routine and our comfort zone, nothing wrong with our routine except that it might keep us from the most powerful and incredible things that God has to offer for us. When we step outside of those and we begin to give, I think we become an image of Christ that is different that is different than anything else maybe that we've ever been. There is power in giving. In fact, there's a gift in giving. We're going to finish up our series this morning called Under Construction. We've walked through the book of Philippians. This is the 13th teaching uh, that we've done in Philippians. And you remember, we, we saw that in the last chapter, Paul deals with this issue of finances. He writes a thank you note for a gift that he received, but he talks a little bit about some principles uh, with resources and finances. And so we, we kind of called it a little mini-series, Finances Under Construction. And we saw in our first week that one of the things God wants to do is break us free from this illusion of ownership. The illusion of ownership. We, we act like we own it when the reality is no, we, it's a loan. 70, 80, 90 year loan, but it's all alone. We have to leave it at some point. And we saw that God gave us this tutor to train us. It's called the tithe. And we saw that the tithe is not for God to take your money, but for you to train your heart. And it reminds us that th- this ownership issue and a regular reminder, it's all God's. Last week we looked and Paul told us he understood the secret. He used that phrase, a secret. And we saw the secret to prosperity is contentment. The secret to contentment is Jesus. Remember Paul said, I know the secret to contentment. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Well, he continues his thoughts and I want to look at those and read some of those here in Philippians 4, beginning again at verse 14. He says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for the gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I've received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, one thing that stands out to me, we know if you read the book of Acts, the apostle Paul planted lots of churches. He traveled all over Asia. He made multiple mission trips. He planted a bunch of churches and he makes a very strong statement. He says there's not one church that participated in this issue of giving and receiving with our ministry except you, Philippians. Out of all the others, not one except you, 
the Philippian church. And you remember what we said when we started this series, something unique about this book, is that in a lot of the other letters, Paul has to bring some word of correction. He has to deal with heresy, false teaching, things like that. In the book of Philippians, he doesn't do any of that. He really doesn't. There's one little squabble among a couple of women that he says, hey, tell them to get along. But that's it. This is a healthy church. And he just brings great Christian teaching to them as an apostle. I want to suggest to you there is a connection between the fact that this is a giving church and it is a healthy church. And I don't want to just think in terms of the church like as an institution. What I mean to say is they are healthy people because they are giving people. A spirit of giving does something. It, re- it reflects a heart that kind of has some key issues dealt with and has some things that are in order and some priorities and some understandings that are in the right place. Another thing he says that I think is interesting, he, he said, not that I'm looking for the gift, I'm looking for, for what may be credited to your account. That caught my attention. You mean I have an account? That's good news. I don't have a lot of accounts, okay? I don't know about you. Maybe you're loaded with accounts. You've got so many accounts, you don't know what to do with it. But I, I have an account. It seems like Paul is saying there is an account that when I'm giving, there are deposits being credited to my account. Now, we've said through this kind of little mini-series a couple times, you can't take it with you, right? We, we, we saw that scripture, you know, multiple times, the concept, I came into the world with nothing, I'm leaving with nothing. You can't take it with you. I want to tell you there's a biblical exception, and, and we just stumbled onto it. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, listen to what Jesus says. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. So Jesus didn't say, don't store up for yourself treasures. He just said, don't do it here. This is incredible investment advice. This is like the ultimate insider trading. God is all-knowing and omniscient, and he's telling us how to invest. Okay? So I, I, I think it's still legal. You might want to check on that, but... We are getting the best inside advice you can get. Jesus said moths and rust will destroy. Thieves will steal. And we know this is true. One day the houses we're in, they're going to be dust. Somebody's going to tear them down. The money we have is going to go to someone else. The thieves will steal. It's called estate taxes. Whatever you want to think about it. Did I? Is this on? Did I say that out? Can we edit that? Here's the principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. That's good stuff. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead, and it's done through giving. Listen to what Jesus says. We are commanded to send it ahead. Matthew 19, 21. Go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Matthew 10, 42. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he's my disciple, I tell you the truth, he'll certainly not lose his reward. And then, of course, what Paul just said. I'm looking for what's credited to your account. Giving is how we send it ahead. I learned a very important principle a number of years ago. Uh, How many of you, like, have played Monopoly? I won't even say like to play Monopoly. Uh, You've played Monopoly. How many of you have had an awkward or ugly Monopoly experience? Uh, Oh, some of you, several of you are truthful. The rest of you, that you've either never played or you're lying. Let's stop right there. Do not pass go. You are listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church, which meets every Sunday morning at the corner of Redland Road and Jones Mossberger, just inside Loop 1604. You can find details, directions, and service times at their website, reallife.org. And we'd like to take a moment to mention that today's program is made possible by Cloud Roofing, 
cloudroofing.com. If you'd like a free estimate on your roof for repair or replacement, the number is 210-366-9484. And please make sure you thank them for having Real Life Radio on the air as they're on your roof. And we'll be right back in one minute. And this is Real Life Radio. Decisions about your child's education are some of the most important decisions that you as a parent will ever have to make. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and I'd like to introduce you to an exceptional new educational opportunity available here in San Antonio. We have recently partnered with Believers Academy to form the new River City Believers Academy, a school with a tradition of academic excellence and a vision to prepare students for real life. RCBA equips students with the academic tools to thrive in an ever-changing world, as well as the character and worldview to make the best use of those tools. Each child is unique, so our faculty is committed to using creative and innovative approaches in the classroom to engage different learning styles. River City Believers Academy is an affordable private Christian school dedicated to preparing your student to become a leader in his or her chosen field. We're accepting applications for the fall semester in all grades, from K through 12. For information, call 656-2999 or look us up on the web at BelieversAcademy.org. This is real life. Welcome back and we return to Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church who is teaching out of Philippians chapter 4. And let the games begin. This is Real Life Radio. How many of you like have played Monopoly? I won't even say like to play Monopoly. You've played Monopoly. How many of you have had an awkward or ugly Monopoly experience? Monopoly mirrors real life too much because something just about it and you just become, I'm going to take over the world, <laughs> you know. And you can, Monopoly, the, the thing I just want to tell you, the big revelation God showed me, Monopoly money is fake. It's not real. Real money isn't pink. Okay? It's not pastel green or light blue. It's fake. It's not real. Eventually, at the end of the game, you put it in the box and it goes up in the closet. You don't even get to put it in your wallet. It's not real. And let me tell you the more significant and important thing I learned. It is possible, though. Monopoly money is not real, but it is possible. And hear me, this is great advice. It is possible to convert Monopoly money into real currency. For example, if I'm playing Monopoly and my wife is one of the players, which has happened before, I can take the route. I can take the route. I can choose the strategy. <laughs> I'm going to own it all and control the world. You know, I can do that. Okay. Or I can say to my wife, baby, here, you take park place, honey. Do you know what happens when I do that? I've just converted monopoly money into real currency later. <laughs> I mean, look stupid, but let me just tell you. This ain't my first dance, okay? <laughs> no, no, baby, you need one of the utilities? Here you go, sweetheart. You have that. Oh, I love seeing your houses all in up. You're doing great, hon. I can crush her to oblivion and own it all, all of the pink money. I can do that if I choose. Or I can literally make investments into real life by being a loving and caring Monopoly player. No, no, honey, you don't have to pay rent. Ryan's going to pay your rent. Ryan, give me some money. <laughs> Here's the truth behind that. All of our stuff, all of our money, all of it's going to be Monopoly money one day. No, it will be worth no more to us than the pink money in the Monopoly box. It really will. That is fact. We've discussed it. The reality is 
we're leaving it all to someone else. We can't control what happens to us. It won't do us a bit of good in the big picture, the very literal and real part of our lives, the spiritual life which lives on eternally. But what Jesus is saying is, like I can make an investment using Monopoly money in a relationship, and I can love my wife and say I care about her through something as goofy as Monopoly, In the real spiritual world, I can take these temporal resources, which one day will be worthless, like monopoly money, I can invest them. And there is an account of eternal things that I can build up in heaven. That's what Jesus is saying. Lay up your treasure in heaven, in eternal things. Martin Luther said this. He says, I've held many things in my hand. I've lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Someone after first service reminded me, you remember the famous quote from Jim Elliott. He's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. This is a big picture understanding. And this is little. We've got to decide what we believe about this. Because it's one thing to go, oh, that's nice. That's interesting. It's another thing to go, I really believe what God is saying here. That I can invest in eternity. There's real life after my short years here on earth. And I can invest in that. By investing in eternal things here on earth. The point is, don't waste it all here. Take some with you by sending it ahead. Here's the point. Write this down if you're taking notes. Okay, this is what I want you to remember. When you keep it, you lose it. When you give it, you keep it. When you keep it, you lose it. When you give it, you keep it. It's a paradox. You know, like Jesus said, those who want to gain their life, they're going to lose it. But those who give their life will gain it. It's a paradox. It's one of these things that reminds us there is a biblical reality, a, a, an economy, a, a just this whole world that God has created that is above just what we see with the natural senses. When you keep it, you lose it. When you give it, you keep it. Now, Paul does some teaching. One of the other churches struggled a little more with this, and so he did more extensive teaching with them, the Corinthian church. In his second letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 9, I want to read some of his instruction. Beginning at verse 6, he says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That is an expounding on what we call the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. It is insane to think I can plant carrots, but I'm going to get cucumbers. Okay, that's just crazy. But I think often in life we think I can plant bad seeds and I'm going to get a good harvest. That's just dumb. It's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work in agriculture. It doesn't work in life. And Paul is kind of expounding on that a little bit. Not only you'll reap what you sow, but he says if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is the point. God wants us to grow in this area and to learn. He wants us to be cheerful givers. And for some of you, that's a little annoying right now because you may give to people, you may give to ministry, you may give to stuff, but it's not cheerful. If you're honest, okay, in your heart of hearts, you go, yeah, I don't like it so much. I'd rather keep my stuff. Sometimes there can be a part of us out of fear, lots of other motivations that that doesn't like to give. Not only does God love a cheerful giver, I want to suggest we're going to learn he is able to make you a cheerful giver. He is able to teach you things and grow your character so that the part of you that loves to give just keeps getting bigger and bigger and keeps getting fed and nourished. It says, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love that scripture. Can you qualify it more, Paul? I thought we were never supposed to use every and always and all. 
Yeah, he didn't get that memo. God is able to make all grace abound to you, all things, all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. As it is written, he scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures to ever, uh, forever. And in verse 10, it says, Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Wow. Giving is a powerful force. That's what the scripture is saying. And I think Paul brings out some great observations about a lifestyle of giving. If you're taking notes, write these down. The first is giving expresses gratitude to the Lord. Giving expresses gratitude to the Lord. Paul said that in Philippians 4. He talked about their gift to him was received as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. He's talking about when you give, you're saying thank you to God. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 40, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. This all is based on this principle, this idea that God gave first. Everything we had comes from him. And a response of gratitude and thanksgiving is when I give to someone else. That is a way, the scripture says, a way for me to say, thank you, Father. I recognize that what you've done and what you've given is is so abundant. And I just want to bless someone else. What's interesting, and I don't think any of us would say this outright, but I think sometimes... I think, I think anybody who understands how much we've been given by grace, how, how much we don't deserve the salvation and the blessings and God's grace that has been poured out for us, if we really understood that, I think we all would say that theologically, oh, yes, I understand that, we're all sinners. I think sometimes in church circles we kind of we say that, but we believe, yeah, but we're better than some of those real, you know, the scumbags out there. We're not like that, right? I mean, there's this, 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 this distinction. If you believe that, let me just say to you, you would be wrong, dead wrong. Find the darkest corner of the city. Find the, the, the worst sinner you can imagine. And without Jesus Christ, you and I are exactly the same. Every bit is self-centered. Every bit is lost. That's what the scripture teaches And maybe you were raised a little bit better so you know how to dress it up and clean it up and hide it a little better. But the point is, the rebellion in our heart without Christ makes us as lost as the most lost person you could drudge up from the darkest corner of any city on the face of this planet. And what that means is everything that we have is a gift of grace. Every bit of it. Everything. And when you recognize that, when you really let that sink in, it changes you. It creates a gratitude in your heart. The whole point is that God has abundantly blessed and given us everything. His very nature is to give. Acts 17.25 says God's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. 
Because he himself gives all men, includes women and children too, life, breath, and everything else. Everything. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Did you know he provided everything? And, and here's the part. Did you know he provided it for our enjoyment? This is one I had to get over, to, to understand how much God has a father's heart and loves to bless. Because I grew up, you know, I told you before, in Pentecostal circles, and great, some great churches I was in, but there were some that were fairly hard, you know. And I knew if I surrendered my life to Jesus, he was going to put me in the darkest corner of Africa where I was doing every day what I hated most, and it would just be an opportunity to prove how much I loved him. It was sick. I didn't teach it publicly or anything. But, you know, there's this little attitude you get. You think, I mean, I just had painted for me kind of a a stern, hard God. Loving, yes, made the cross available, saved saved me for eternity. But, boy, you're going to pay for it here on earth. When we first started the ministry, I've I've told you the stories of how we, we, we really had to walk by faith in that, I mean... We were working in the inner city. We were ministering to inner city people. God didn't let us do conventional fundraising. It was very different. And so we didn't have that source of steady income. The people we were ministering to obviously didn't have any resources, and we didn't ask any resources. And so it was one of these times where God said, I want you to walk by faith. I truly want you to see my capacity and ability to meet your needs. And while it was, a, it, it was, it was difficult, it was a very cool adventure. It was, it really was. I still look back on those lessons, those leadership lessons learned, and they give me hope and confidence for the stuff that we deal with at a very different place in our development, but it's same God. But one of the things that surprised me back then, God met our needs, always. I was surprised, and I'm embarrassed to say, I was surprised sometimes by the, just the blessings he brought. The stuff that was in our heart that maybe I wouldn't even have the guts to ask for, but that he just allowed us to experience. The, the need opportunities, the travel opportunities, the, the blessings that, that I didn't think I was entitled to. I had no sense of entitlement to, God, you owe me. None of that. I, I, just, I was just amazed at the, the way God communicated. I'm not trying to make you miserable. God's like, I didn't do all this so I could, you know, exor- have an exercise in deprivation. That's not my heart. He said, I want to bless you. Yes, there are times when Father will withhold things if he believes they're going to hurt us. He's a loving Father. Scripture says, and even disciplines his children. However, what he was communicating is my heart is to give. My heart is to bless. I want you to, I provide all things for your enjoyment. He wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. And that's what River City Community Church is all about, helping people find the real life they were created for and living that life to the full. And if you'd like to visit River City Community Church, you can find the details and directions to River City at their website, reallife.org. And if you'd like to call the church, the number is 490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church and made possible by Cloud Roofing and cloudroofing.com, We'll hear part two of this message called The Gift of Giving next week and hope you join us next time for more Real Life.